While we journey through the night, we can do so with the expectation for morning to break forth. Joy will come with the morning. The night will pass. Let's turn in our Bibles to Psalm 30. Psalm 30. Uh, we'll read the first five verses to get started this morning. Again this morning, uh, just a simple word of encouragement to our hearts. We're not doing any intensive study, but just a word of encouragement to our hearts this morning. Psalm 30 verses 1 through 5. Verse 1. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord my God, I cried out to you, and you healed me. O Lord, you brought my soul up from the grave. You have kept me alive, that I should not go down to the pit. Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of His, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holy name. For His anger is but for a moment, His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I want to spend some time just meditating on that last part of verse 5, where the Bible tells us, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Just as surely as the morning will break out, and the night will pass. He's saying weeping will endure for a season, but joy will come in the morning. Amen? Now in that same, in that same passage, in the first three verses, the psalmist uh, refers to a certain predicament and then he talks about what God did for him. In verse 1, he says, there are enemies or foes who came up against me. But Lord, you lifted me. Verse 2, he says, uh, he was in first, he was in sickness, but the Lord heals. In verse 3, he says, I was nearing the grave. I, was, oh, I almost died. But God, you kept me alive. A predicament and God turned it around. God did something. For his life. And so in verse 4 he says. I will praise you. I will thank you. And then he mentions verse 5. God. You're the God. And he says. Weeping. Weeping may endure for a night. But joy comes in the morning. Now. For all of us who live on planet earth. You don't have a choice. You don't go get to vote whether you want the night or not. <laughs> night times come to all of us. Right? Nobody's exempt. Night times come. And these night seasons uh, could mean different things at different times. The night is a time of quietness. Everything is still. Nothing is moving. And sometimes you come into seasons of life. You say, God, nothing is happening in my life. Everything has come to a pause, a standstill. 
Nothing's happening. Sometimes that could be a night season. For us, for some, some, in some other situations, the night could be a time of aloneness. You may have lots of friends, but they're all asleep. You're alone. It's the night. It's not their fault that they're asleep. But it's the night. It's a time of aloneness. The night could sometimes represent a time of obscurity in our lives where you're hidden in the dark. Nobody, you're not visible. Nobody sees you. I mean, you're there, you're full of potential, all this thing inside you, but you're in obscurity. You're in the, in the dark. Nobody sees you. You're not visible yet. So, the night could represent different things. The night could be a time of grief. And we go through it. But the encouragement God's word gives to us is weeping will endure for a night. And joy will come. As surely as the morning will break. Joy will come. This night season will change. For all of us. And that's the encouragement with which we go through the night. And I know joy will come. I know morning will break forth. This night is not going to last forever. Morning will break forth. And that's the encouragement. That's the confidence. That's the joy that should grip our hearts even in the night. Joy will come in the morning. Amen. So I want to just talk a little bit about the night. Uh, As I said, the night could represent many things. And it does represent many diverse things, diverse seasons of life that we go through. I just want to make reference of two things. One, the night could represent a time of preparation and revelation. The night. A time of preparation, a time of revelation. So sometimes in life, as God is working with us, and it applies to us spiritually, it applies to us in the natural and professionally, also you can apply this. But let's say in the spiritual, you go through a season when you're in the night, you're in the dark, you're in obscurity, people don't see you, people don't know you. But that's a time of preparation, and that's a time of revelation. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10 and in verse 27, he says, What I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. What you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. So there is this dark time, but he is speaking something to you, very personal, in your ear. It's a revel- time of revelation. And then, when the light comes, you've got something to say. But it's something he spoke to you in the dark. So that night time is a time of revelation. It's a time of preparation. So that when light comes, you've got a message, you're ready. Or he puts it like this, what I whisper to you in the ear, 
that you proclaim from the housetop. So you see, the night time is essential because if you don't have that time to hear what he has to say to you, if you don't have that time to be prepared, then when daylight comes, which we all like, lights, camera, action. Sorry, no message. <laughs> I have nothing to say. So the nighttime is essential. What you hear in the, in the dark, what I speak to you in the dark, that you proclaim in the light. Think about some biblical examples, and I'll just refer to two. John the Baptist. In Luke chapter 1, verses 76 to 80, we read about his call. We read about what God had planned for him. But this is how God released him into it. In Luke chapter 1, verses 76 to 80, it says, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest. For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins, to the tender mercy of our God with which the day spring from on high has visited us. To give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death. To guide our feet into the way of peace. So the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the deserts. Till the day of his manifestation to Israel. So the verses 76 to 79 describe the call. Here is this man who is called to be a great prophet of God. And he's got this great call and this wonderful ministry ahead of him. Uh, and all of that is, is described there. But he's kept in the desert until the time of his manifestation. He's kept in this place of obscurity. In this place of darkness where people, he's not visible until God says, time to make you public. Amen. So, but what happened to John in that time in the wilderness or in that time in the desert? That was a time that God put many things in his heart. First of all, John realized who he was. And people came to him and said, who are you? He said, I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Hey, John, where did you get that from? He whispered it to me in my ear in the time when I was in the dark. It was in that time he received the message. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Nobody before John ever preached that message. Nobody. Hey, John, where did you get that message? Oh, when I was in the desert, he spoke to me. He gave me the message. John, how do you know that the, which person you have to announce as the Lamb of God? When I was in the desert, he spoke to me. He told me, the one upon whom you see the Tao descending, the Holy Spirit descending, he is the one. Where did you get it, John? When I was in the dark, in the deserts. Amen? So that time is a time of preparation, is a time of revelation. Think about the Apostle Paul. Uh, many of us, you know, think that, well, the day he had this wonderful encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, the next day he became this great Apostle Paul. Not so. We don't know the exact number of years, but it was probably 10 to 14 years before he actually went on his first missionary journey 
after his encounter with Jesus. What happened in that time? Paul writes a little bit about that for us in Galatians. In Galatians chapter 1, let's read verses 20 to 24. He, has, he, just, he makes a brief 15-day visit to Jerusalem. He's, uh, nobody wants to see him when he comes at that time. And he comes back here and, and, and we pick up in verse 20. He says, now concerning the things which are right to you, indeed before God, I do not lie. Afterward, that is after his visit to Jerusalem, I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea which were in Christ. But they were hearing only he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy and they glorified God in me. So he's saying, you know, I was in the regions of Syria and Cilicia whereas the churches in Judea, they didn't even know me. This great apostle Paul, they only heard a little bit, some news trickled in. Hey, that man, you know, he came to Christ and he's preaching. So literally, the next approximately 10 years, could be 12, we don't know exactly for sure. These are called the silent years of the apostle Paul. For the next so many years, he was in this area around Syria, preaching Jesus, but nobody knew him. Nobody even knew that this man was going to write two-thirds of the New Testament. Nobody knew that this man was going to plant more than 50, or plant churches in more than 50 cities across Asia and, and parts of Europe. Nobody knew that this man would travel the greatest distance for the sake of the gospel so that history looks back and says, if you take out the Apostle Paul, Christianity would have died. Nobody knew. For 10 years. Preaching. But what was happening in that silent life, silent years of the Apostle Paul? It is very likely it was during those silent years in the in those dark in that dark night, on the night of his life, that God, that the Lord Jesus gave him revelation. So that later on, in the midst of his busy travel schedule, he could still write two-thirds of the New Testament. But he received revelation. At that time. It was during that time he could process the entirety of the Old Testament. And understand the Old Testament in the context of Jesus Christ. So that in his writings in the, all the epistles you find the Old Testament being explained for us. It was during that time of the silent years of the Apostle Paul. That he most likely was caught up into the third heavens. And he heard things which nobody he said. I can't even utter. I was taken up into the heavens. This happened during that time. Amen? So the point is this. That the night season of life, this time of obscurity, this time of darkness, in some of us, for some of us, it's a time of preparation. It's a time of revelation. So don't think it's a bad time. Yes, it might be a little painful because we like attention. We like all of that. But hey, God is doing a very important thing in the night season of your life. Very important. Amen? So don't think that this is a wasted time. God is preparing you. Now, you know, you can apply the same truths to the workplace. You know, you sign up, you join this company, and you think next day you're going to be the manager. But like, man, they make you do all the menial stuff. 
first two years, first three years. Like you passed out from, you know, whatever, some great university, whatever. You're expecting immediate promotion, but you're in obscurity in the workplace. Remember, it's a time of preparation. Don't reject it. We all have to go through it. A second thing that this night season could represent, and once again, I just want to remind us that, you know, I, I'm not, we're not looking at all, that, all the metaphors that night could represent in our lives. Uh, we're just looking at one more, and then we will wrap up. The night could also be a time of sowing. Turn with me to Psalm 126, please. And uh, when you read the psalm, Psalm 126, we'll read the entire psalm. It says here, Verse 1, Psalm 126. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Very interesting psalm. This psalm was written after the captivity in Babylon. So you know a part of Israel's history where Nebuchadnezzar had come in, he had destroyed Jerusalem, taken a number of the Jewish people uh, into captivity in Babylon. And they were in captivity for 70 years. And the empires changed hands. It went from the, um, uh, of course, the Assyrians were the first to attack, then were the, uh, the um, uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar and, uh, and all of his people, then came the Persians, uh, and so the Persians came into power, the empire changed hands, the Medes, and then into the hands of the Persians. And when King Cyrus, the Persian king, came into power, he said, all of you can go back home. This is in Ezra chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. So the Jewish people are allowed to go back home. So this psalm was written after that. And it's a celebration. Lord, when you turned, verse 1, when you turned our captivity, when you brought back the captivity, that I mean all these captives, when they came back, he's saying, we were like those who dream. Like, it's like we're waking up from a dream. Whoa. Is this really happening? You know, it's like a dream. And then there is celebration, there is joy. He's saying, God, we, our mouth was filled with laughter and we were singing. And even the nations, other nations were pointing and saying, look what God has done. We thought this nation was wiped out. We thought these people were wiped out. But look, they are coming back to their own land. So other nations were surprised at what, at what had happened. The Lord has done great things for us. And then it was for he makes a prayer. He says, bring back our captivity because... Uh, Historically, that all the Jewish people didn't move in one batch. They staggered. So they came uh, in several batches over an extended period of time. And so this prayer is, God, bring the rest of the captives back to Jerusalem. And he compares it to the rivers in the south. So the rivers in the south of Palestine uh, during summer would dry up. During autumn and d- uh, winter they would, they would swell. They would overflow. So he's saying like that Lord let the captives swell back to Jerusalem. So all of that is he's, he's talking about this beautiful s- celebration. We were in captivity. Now we are free. It's a time to praise God. 
But in the middle of, uh, after saying all that, the next two verses, suddenly the imagery shifts. And he's saying this. Those who sow in tears will reap in joy. So somehow there's this connection between captivity and freedom to the sowing in tears and reaping in joy. And he says, he repeats that in the next verse. Those who go forth bearing their precious seed, weeping, will come back bringing their sheaves with them, rejoicing. Now, sowing. Why is sowing compared to this weeping? Because sowing is hard work. It's not easy. You've got to break the ground. Drop the seed in the hot sun. You're sweating. And there's no immediate reward. Stuff going from your hand. That's all. You're sowing. But those who sow in tears will reap in joy. So in the night, the night time could be likened to that time of sowing. Weeping may endure for a night. So you're sowing. You're doing some hard work. But your time of rejoicing will come. You will see your harvest. But understand the importance of that sowing time. Because without sowing, you will never have a harvest. You cannot. Without that night time. Without that time where you're weeping, you're sowing. Without going through that, you are not going to have the harvest. Amen? And this can apply to all areas of our lives. It applies to your spiritual life. There are times when you want to see a breakthrough in your life. You want to see God uh, do something powerful in life. You've got to sow. If you sow to the Spirit... Of the spirit you will reap. Amen. So you got to sow in the spirit. So you begin to sow in prayer. You begin to sow by meditating in the word of God. You're doing that extra effort. You're doing that extra push. But you will reap. Amen. You can apply it to your studies. Got to sow in tears. Study with tears. <laughs> Whatever, you know. Studying. It's like sowing. Hey, but if you don't do that, you can't reap. But if you do that, you will reap with joy. You can talk about your work. You got to sow. Got to work hard. It may seem difficult at times. But when you sow with tears, you will reap with joy. See, the millennials think, put out a few YouTube videos, YouTube videos, and you'll become a millionaire. <laughs> so we, millennials, we, we, you know, the millennials think, oh, life is so easy. Took a few things on Instagram. You got a thousand followers, whatever, and a few thousand, you make big money. Life is not all like that. <laughs> it's a mind, very small percentage of YouTubers who make the millions, okay? 
For the rest of us, we got to sow in tears. <laughs> you got to work hard. You sow in tears. And you will reap with joy. So that night time of your life could, be, could represent a time of sowing. But that time of sowing will bear its fruit. So, what is your night season? For each of us. Now, some of us maybe may not be in a night season. Thank God. But for some of us, maybe we are going through a night. And the night to you could be something different from the night to the person next to you. It could be a time of preparation. It could be a time of sowing. Or it could be some other time of life where you're going through the night. But I want you to take this word with you. That Weeping may endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning. It will come. Your night is not going to last forever. It's going to change. And there's another thing the Bible tells us. I'll just quickly refer to this in Job chapter 35 verse 10 and 11, Elihu is speaking and he's just making his statements and he says, you know, uh, when people are going through this kind of situation, he says, no one says, where is God my maker who gives songs in the night? God gives songs in the night. So night, this night season... Doesn't all have to be gloomy, grumpy, and cryy. God gives songs. There may be a song that comes to you, that brings you comfort, that brings you strength. God gives songs in the night. Sing your songs in the night. Whatever those songs are that bring hope, that bring encouragement to your heart, God gives songs in the night. He gives us some reason to thank Him, praise Him, even in the night. And in closing, we go back to Psalm 30. And the psalmist closes off that psalm. He says, he tells us how God changes things. Verse 11 and 12. Verses 11 and 12. He says, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth. That means the clothes with which I mourn. And clothe me with gladness to the end that my glory and my soul may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. You have turned for me my mourning into dance. God turns things around. And the change will be so dramatic, so drastic. It's like going from mourning to dancing. It says God will do that. That's what happens when your morning breaks out on you. You go from your morning into dancing. And God turns that around. God turns it around. And I want to announce that this is available for all of us. For all of us. That God will turn our morning into dancing. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Your joy is coming. Your morning is coming. Amen. He's going to turn that morning into dancing. So you and I have that confidence. You and I have that assurance in our hearts. God, I may be going through a night season in my life right now. 
But this is not forever. Morning is coming. Amen. And while I'm going through it, I want to receive the songs he gives. I want to receive what he does in my heart. I want to receive what he speaks to me in the dark. You know, some of the books that we have printed out there, some of those sermons were written in the night season of life. It wasn't written when everything was nice and easy. It was written, some of the books were written in the most difficult seasons of life. God, but messages. Because God was speaking in the dark. He was giving revelation in the dark. So that you could announce it in the light. Amen. And he does the same thing in all of our lives. That night season is never wasted. Keep a listening ear. Amen. We're going to take some time to pray. Let's call our worship team up. We're going to take a few moments to pray. And we heard some wonderful testimonies. We saw what God did for that pastor from Bengal. Uh, just giving him, just enabling him to start speaking. We heard those testimonies of what happened there in Baloda Bazaar. God just healing people. You know, and God is our healer. He wants to do that today in our midst. Amen. He's the God who, who like we read in verse 2, I cried out to you, Lord, and you healed me. He's our healer. And I want to take this time just to pray, uh, just pray uh, for healing for people sitting right here in this auditorium. And those watching us live, you may be in your room suffering or hurting or in pain. But as we pray here, I want you to believe God for healing, for God's healing to touch you right where you are. So we're going to take a few moments to worship God and then I'm just going to pray over us. And I want you to believe God, expect God to touch you and heal you. Let's stand to our feet as we just worship the Lord for a few moments. Just turn our attention to Him. Worship Him. That we're going to come back and pray and just uh, believe God to do things in our lives together. can't separate cause even if I ran away cause your love never fails I know I still make mistakes you have new mercies for me every day cause your love never fails no you don't There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. And when the oceans rage, I don't have to be afraid. Because I know that she loves me. Because your love never fails. No, no, never fails.
watching us live who may be going through a night time in their life God what would that night may represent to them father we pray for grace we pray for strength we pray for wisdom and also father by the power of your Holy Spirit we ask that morning will break forth even if it seems and it looks impossible 
it seems highly impossible that the night would ever end this moment Lord by the power of your Holy Spirit I announce to them on the authority of God's Word that night will end and morning will come and joy will come with the morning that their night season will come to a stop that you God supernaturally will turn their morning into dancing that you God in an unusual way in an unexpected way will cause things to turn around that you'll take off their sackcloth and clothe them with gladness and do it father by the power of your holy spirit whether it's in their home whether it's in the family whether it's in their workplace whether it's in their job lord let them see the hand of the lord turning their morning into dancing turning the night into day let it happen let them see that god is good god is faithful god will come through even when it seems impossible we thank you father we thank you oh god we honor you we honor you we worship you god we worship you thank you thank you god I'm just going to take a moment just pray for people who need healing in their bodies i'm going to pray from here and i want you just to believe god god released a work of healing just during worship god wants to touch each one of us heal each one of us whatever our ailment is whatever our problem is he's our healer He said I am the Lord who heals you. So as I pray, I want you to expect that. And especially if you're somebody who's suffering from arthritis and you've been putting up with it for so long today, today. As I pray, believe that spirit of infirmity will go. arthritis will go I want you to expect it testify to the glory of God let's pray father you are the lord who heals us i pray for every person in this auditorium every person watching by the authority of the name of jesus by the power of the holy spirit i break every yoke of sickness disease every abnormality every disorder every infirmity in body and mind in every person of the sound of my voice i command it to be broken i command it to be destroyed in the name of jesus christ every foul spirit of infirmity every foul spirit of affliction causing that I command you to go in Jesus name and let healing take place right now in this place arthritis I command you to leave I command those joints to be completely released freedom from pain and full mobility come in right now 
in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. And Lord, we thank you that you're the God who heals us. You're the God who delivers us. I command tumors and growths to disappear. I command bones that are damaged to be healed, to be made whole now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We give you, God, all the glory, honor, and praise. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We would love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also visit our website apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.